Coming live from Franklin, Tennessee, USA is our guest tonight. Welcome to this very special edition of the KJ Masterclass Live, the show which ensures that you profit from your time spent here with experts, either through their industry insights, information, or simply learning from them. And today we have Steve Anderson, author of the Bezos Letters, Trusted Authority on Risk, Technology Invention, and innovation, and also he's the co-founder and CEO of Catalyst. Welcome to the show, sir. Welcome to the welcome to India, Steve. Well, thank you, AJ. It's uh, great to be here, and uh, I think especially because uh, there are actually four different languages that the Bezos letters have been translated. Okay, what what happened to the uh, sort? Uh, yeah, Steve. I guess there is some problem with the audio maybe there is you put it on mute by mistake i see it here okay uh, I okay think yeah, yeah 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We, are, we are perfectly back now, i am not hearing you aj bear with me one second this is the joy of um live i'm checking my settings no problem no problem this is Microphone. the microphone Okay. Hang on. Sounds like you're working. Oh, don't you love live? Now, what happened here? Hang on. Default. But we can still hear you, Steve. Oh, I can hear you now, too. I couldn't hear you before. That was the okay. trouble. So, okay, okay. I'm ready now. Carry on. <laughs> there, so, anyway, uh, I don't know where I got cut off, but. Um, uh, I, what I was saying is I'm, I'm really excited to be here with you on your show, uh, especially because uh, the Bezos Letters book has been translated into four different languages in India. And so um, it's just really exciting for me to be here. Wonderful. Wonderful, Steve. And so the very basic question I'll ask you about, Steve, is we'll, we'll be talking about the Bezos Letters in, in different aspects for small businesses, for businesses in terms of risk and several other things. But first to understand, why Bezos Letters? What what was it that brought you to that, to write a book about those letters? Yes. So um, my background is the insurance industry here in the United States. And uh, the last 25 years, I've been specifically working with technology in the insurance industry, specifically with independent insurance agents. And as I kept studying technology, helping people understand it, and what I realized is technology was continuing to grow really rapidly, uh, new stuff coming out all the time. And I started asking this question, is the biggest risk that businesses face actually not taking enough risk? And so I started kind of examining that thought, that concept, looked at various businesses, both inside the industry and out, and um, really found there were a lot of businesses that were once very successful that literally are no longer here anymore. Uh, Blackberry, Blockbuster, Kodak, um, you know, there are Sears, a lot of different examples. And I came across Amazon as really the opposite of that, a business that grew from a garage uh, up to what it is today. Came across the letters that Jeff Bezos started writing to shareholders when they went public in 1997 and was 
just really intrigued with the information he provided. Now, I don't know if you've read shareholder letters, but typically they're pretty boring and, you know, are just touting how good the company is. Bezos did some of that, no question. But he also talked a lot about the, you know, at least for me, the principles that he employed at Amazon that accelerated their growth. So that really intrigued me. Uh, And frankly, my first iteration of what was to become the book was uh, a white paper talking about each of the shareholder letters. I think at the time there were maybe 18 and um, showed it to a couple of people uh, that, and and a couple of them were in the book business. They said, oh no, this is not a white paper. This is a book. So that started about a two-year process of uh, figuring out what that book is and actually then writing it. Okay. And which year was this around that you actually noticed uh, those letters in detail, worked out, and then thought that this is a great time to actually publish it into a book? So it started probably in 2016, 2017, Uh, The book was actually published in the fall of 2019. Uh, Again, you know, just before the pandemic hit in the the spring of 2020. Um, And, you know, again, like I said, it it took probably 18 months to actually when I started thinking about it as a book, writing it and then getting it edited and, and published. So, yeah, it was a bit of a process. Right, right. So in terms of what exactly struck you that businesses can learn from these shareholder letters by uh, by Jeff Bezos? Because you see, uh, Amazon is a different sort of a co- uh, company. It's an online company. It's a marketplace where uh, you businesses come and do business. A lot of businesses are in different formats. They, they do sell online. Maybe they sell their their own ways. They also sell on Amazon, also on other platforms. But what was it that you thought other businesses can take away, take make use of those nuggets of information, insights, and you know about risk taking capabilities uh, in terms of that? What were those things that you thought should be converted into a book? Yeah. And and I think a couple of thoughts come to mind. First is, you know, I always like to remind people that Amazon started just like every other business. You know, Bezos was on his hands and knees taking books people had bought online, putting them in packages and mailing them to them. You know, so people tend to think of certainly reasonably think of Amazon, you know, as this huge company today, but they didn't always start that way. The other kind of comment is, I broke the principles. So there are actually 14 principles, but I grouped them into four different cycles, test, build, accelerate, and scale. And what I believe is every business, big, medium, large, small, um, are always going through these cycles. They're always testing new ideas, new products, new services, whether it's online or not. That's why they're principles And it's not a book about how to grow your e-commerce or your online business, because I do think they apply regardless of the type of business you're in. It applies to retail businesses. It applies to service businesses, all of those types. So they're testing new ideas. They're building on the success of those tests. 
they're accelerating their growth, and then they're scaling that. And each of the principles in each of those cycles help with that particular cycle, help the thought process. Okay. Okay. And do you have any specific industry or businesses or the type of businesses that can actually uh, make use of those 14 principles? But for the sake of you know, for our audience who may who, who may not have even heard about this book, right. but as you say, as you say, they have been translated into four Indian languages. I'm sure with this show, there will be a bit more uh, sort of a understanding and knowing about this particular book of yours. And I'm sure a lot of people, because you also talk about small businesses benefiting out of this, and India is full of small businesses. Yes. We have large number of MSMEs. Uh, small-scale industries, freelancers also, which you can say, especially after the great resignation. We don't use those words, great resignation in India, but a lot of people have started doing things on their own. So can you, if you can tell about those principles in in as, uh, in the pace that you want to take and tell yeah. us about it. So I, I, I think I'm going to answer your your first question. It, which is what type of business? And, and as I said, I've had I've had people at nonprofits that have reached out to me and said, "Your book gave me so many ideas." So I, again, it's not just one type of business. And, and let me talk a bit about a couple of the principles that may help explain how they can apply. So in that test cycle, the very first principle is what I call encourage successful failure. And again, this is coming out of how the culture at Amazon was built. And I actually think that the focus on innovation is a bit backwards. So you hear a lot of companies saying, we need to innovate. We need to you know, do things differently. But at Amazon, they actually invent on behalf of the customer. And in order to invent, they have to experiment. And an experiment, uh, experiment by its very nature means you're going to fail. So you've got to be willing to suffer failures to find what's going to work. And if your employees aren't encouraged to do that, then it's really difficult for the business to move forward and invent. So the process in my mind is experiment, invent, which allows you to innovate and get better. So Amazon innovates, no question. You can innovate, but you've got to invent something that your customers really want. So encourage successful failure, I think, is a, a big one. And then kind of in that same idea, the third principle is practice dynamic invention and innovation. And again, employees at Amazon are always encouraged to come up with new ideas, new ways of doing things. Um, and again, that's part of their their culture. Now, in the build area, uh, one of the principles there is obsess over customers. And, and we could talk probably the rest of our time about that one. But to me, that's really interesting. In, in the very first shareholder letter in 1997, Jeff Bezos says, we will obsess over customers. We will do everything on behalf of the customer and make sure they are getting what they want, frankly, even before they know they want it. And I think that that word obsess is his word. 
And I think it's really interesting because many businesses talk about customer service or customer journey or customer experience, but customer obsession really kind of takes it to a different level and frankly can have a negative connotation also. So that's why, you know, I think as you're hearing, I, it's not just e-commerce, it's not just cloud computing, it's, 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 it's how you think about your business. And I could go through pretty much every principle, you know, and give you an, an example like that. Um, okay. But I'll pause here a second and take a little bit of a drink and uh, let you chime in. Of course, of course, sure. Right, right, Steve. Now, in terms of, let's talk about small businesses because that's uh, very important for a place like India, especially, and other places also. Even the, in the U.S., there are so many local businesses, small businesses. Though everybody may not aim to be another Amazon or may not even be in a position to even think that way. But what are the things that, as of today, from the Amazon that is today, what can they take off out of that? Because those letters are old. There have been a lot of times that has changed, but some principles still remain. But in practicality, that will be getting reflected in today's Amazon. So what are the things that small businesses can take from the Amazon that it is today? And even from the shareholder letters, you see, even if there those are more ideals, sort of a thing which may not have been possible to continue with that but those can still be looked at by people who are entering uh, into their own businesses and still want to do and make their own difference on their own so one of the principles in the accelerate um, cycle is called generate high velocity decisions and Bezos talks a lot about decision making at Amazon and again doesn't Acquire a large business, small businesses are making a lot of decisions. And as they start to grow, maybe add employees. The question is, are the, is the decision-making process uh, fast or slow? And there's a natural tendency as businesses grow to actually slow down decisions because you've got to get approvals, right? Think about a supervisor or district manager or, you know, whatever that looks like. But if you have to bring decisions to multiple people, multiple layers, that actually slows down decision-making, which slows down growth. And the way Bezos phrases it is there are two types of decisions, what he calls uh, type one and type two. Type one decisions are really big. You know, they're, they're the direction of the company. Those should be made slowly and carefully, probably by the owner. But there are a lot of decisions day to day that are type two, that frankly, if you are willing to experiment and fail, you can make a decision and realize it actually didn't work out the way you thought it should and um, have you go, um, well, if it didn't work out the way you thought it, you wanted it to, or you thought it should, it's easy to make a switch. It's easy to make a pivot. And so, Businesses, as they grow, tend to get slow, and slowness slows down growth. I mean, that's bottom line. So, again, decision-making, and, and actually a small business, a new business, has an advantage over an existing business because they can build that culture as that business is growing. 
And I think maybe that's a key point. And, and again, small businesses may not have like the billions of dollars that Amazon has right now. And they can use the principles to have a firmer foundation, build that culture that allows them to accelerate their growth faster. Okay. Okay. And you call uh, Jeff Bezos as the master of risk. Yeah. Why do you call him so? And uh, what? And, and you also say that it will help people to think about whether they are taking enough risks or yes. they are taking uh, less uh, less risks that are required for their growth and business. So I, again, one of the things that impacted me about reading the letters, and and again reading them as a whole narrative, not just one or two letters, which I had done, you know, over the number of years. But when I sat down and, and kind of had the threads and there were multiple ones that went through the letters, it was consistent year over year over year. And again, one of those consistent ideas is that, you know, he says, Amazon is the best place for an employee to fail. Well, that's really counterintuitive. Um, and I also want to emphasize here, Amazon has an intolerance for incompetence. So it's not just do whatever you want, but it's intentional. There's a process in place. And if you're not failing enough, you're not experimenting enough, which means you're not going to be inventing enough. And, and those are typical business thoughts that that are counterintuitive, meaning most business owners don't think that way. You know, they think you've got to be right every time. Well, that's just not realistic, especially in today's environment. And again, for me, with my technology background, the technology is requiring us to make even more experiments to figure out what's going to work and what's not. And again, every experiment's not going to work. And, and let me give you an example. Amazon announced a phone. Uh, it's called was called the Fire Phone in 2014. Well, we already had iPhones, you know, that were released in 2007. We already had Android phones. Who needed another phone? Well, Jeff Bezos thought having an Amazon phone would be a great idea. It wasn't. Nobody bought it. You know, why do I need another phone? And and by the end of 2014, Amazon wrote off 178 million dollars in inventory and development costs because they couldn't give the phone away. So that's the failure. And again, scale it based on your own business. That $178 million might be $1,000 for you that really hurts. But here's where the success can, comes in. When you have that open-mindedness, about four months after the uh, Fire Phone was announced, Bezos got his first demonstration from the same team that put together the phone, a cylinder that sits on a table that you can talk to and it responds and answers your questions. Obviously we know that now is the echo, which is the hardware and Alexa, which is the machine learning software that understands speech and can respond to it. I think we can agree that product line has been quite a success. So that's an example of failures turned into a success when you are able to learn from those experiments that didn't work. Now that's a obviously a big example and, and small businesses need to have smaller examples of that. So, um, but being willing to do that, I think is a, a, a really good thing. Right, right. 
let me ask you one thing in 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 relation to that amazon allows that you can pay and then you can experiment uh, i want to understand how do you perceive this a few days back i saw a video where uh, jeff bezos was talking about day 2 that there's nothing if i understood it there's nothing called day 2 because it can lead to complacency and complacency can lead to that this is the sum of what i understood for it of it now yes. in terms of taking risks allowing employees to innovate and to fail and then there is the day 2 so how do you to see two things existing does it exist that way or this is just talk um uh so i don't believe it's just talk in fact my last principle number 14 is believe it's always day 1 and that's a concept bezos wrote about in his very first uh, 1997 letter where he said it's day 1 for the internet and for amazon.com if we execute well every single letter subsequent had some phrase at the end that said it's still day 1 it's always day 1 and in 2019 he said even with the trouble we've had it's still day 1 so let me give you a short story in 2016 bezos was on a stage in front of a couple thousand amazon employees at a all hands meeting and they had these regularly and he was at the Q&A portion of that meeting and looked down at his note cards and, and employees could submit questions to Bezos to answer and the question was jeff what does day 2 look like and he kind of chuckled and um and he said i i think i know the answer to this day 2 is and you you alluded to it right day 2 is stasis followed yes, by exactly. irrelevant exactly, exactly Steve maybe that was the video i came that up. might be the video it is yes, on yes. youtube and exactly. it's Because a great stasis, video stasis was the word you used yeah yes. day two is stasis followed by irrelevance followed by excruciating painful decline followed by death and he closed the meeting with and that is why it's always day one and i talk a lot about day one in the in the book and it really is a mindset that when an amazon employee goes into the office in the morning or starts working you know are they thinking like a startup like the first day in business it's day 1 and and that mindset um they work a lot at amazon on making sure that mindset is front and center um and and, and i think again that's an idea for any business owner to be able to think about the excitement the customer focus the new products new services and how can you continue to maintain and and I would maintain those companies I mentioned before BlackBerry and Kodak and Blockbuster right all of those are day two companies you know they started that stasis because again as a company gets successful that's their biggest risk is being successful because then they start protecting what got them to be successful as opposed to um continually thinking what else can we do for our customers and and those are the companies that will be around now bezos says that process could take 20 years you know it's not necessarily fast but once you start down that process it's really hard to stop it and reverse it 
Okay, okay. And you also talk about uh, customer experience pillars and how you can implement them in your uh, own company. What are these and what exactly can people implement in their own company? So Amazon has three customer pillars. Um, wide selection, the everything store for Amazon, low prices, mostly, not always, but mostly, and fast delivery, right? And, and those are the three things that they continue to work on improving. I mean, even to the point of, you know, I ordered something a few days ago and I could have it that night. Well, again, they've spent billions of dollars and multiple years building out the logistics infrastructure to actually make that happen. And Bezos says in a, another letter, he said, I can't imagine a day when one of our customers will want slower delivery, less selection and higher prices. You know, so their customer obsession mindset allows them or enables them to continue to focus on improving each of those pillars, more things, lowering prices and fast delivery. And the flywheel, that's Amazon's secret growth weapon. What's that? Yeah, so the flywheel um, is in the build uh, cycle. And I, I, I say it's maybe the most important principle. It's a little hard for me to choose one, but maybe. And the hardest one to understand and implement. So the flywheel concept comes from Jim Collins and his book, Good to Great. And it was published in the fall of um, 2001. That August before, Collins was invited by Bezos to an offsite senior leadership retreat. And they spent a whole day talking about the flywheel. And it's, it, if you have the book, Good to Great, it's chapter eight, The Flywheel and the Doom Loop. And the idea is a flywheel is this huge, you know, heavy, Metal, typically, that's hard to get going, right? It takes a lot of effort and energy to get it going. But once you get it going and you keep those smaller inputs, it just keeps going. So Amazon's flywheel really is a key to their continued growth. And I would say any business should try and understand their own flywheel. And it's not going to be Amazon's. I mean, at the, at the center of their flywheel is growth. That may not be the same for every. A nonprofit is not necessarily growth. Um, and Collins came out with a, uh, a monograph, a smaller book, specifically talking about the flywheel. And he used the, uh, an elementary school principle as an example of uh, uh, using the flywheel concept to improve students' test scores. So that is, again, hard to do and maybe the most beneficial over the long term. Okay, okay. You are a man who knows about, you know, technology, invention, and innovation. Mm -hmm. Today, at the time where we, are, where we are as of now, in terms of a lot of technologies, new technologies coming on, and a lot of companies, these fan companies, if you call, they are also innovating and getting prepared for the next big leap 
towards the future. Everybody is coming out with something, with metaverse, with their headsets and all those <laughs> new experiences. Yeah. And it's almost like a day one start for a lot of companies now. They have to think and they are coming out. What about Amazon if you see it today? What has it got to offer that it is not offering right now and it can offer tomorrow and people can expect? Because there will be people in the backdrop of the great resignation where people are thinking of technology as something to be an enabler and not something that can take over their lives. They want better life, uh, work-life balance. There is talk of health and wellness, especially mental health. Mm -hmm. And as I said, when there is a talk of customer obsession and then, you know, employees, you don't, you, whatever way you want to place them within the Amazon system, how do you see in terms of the next big leap for that company and on what basis, on what will it stand to catapult into the future? Well, two thoughts come to mind. First is back to that um, day one concept. So Bezos wrote about that incident, the question uh, in his 2016 letter, and he went on to say, I'm more interested in how you fend off day two. And he had four um, items that he felt were defense for a day two um, mind, uh, problem. First is customer obsession. We talked about that. Second is um, a skeptical view of proxies. Now, for Bezos, proxies are processes and procedures that don't serve the customer. And they might have at some point, but they don't anymore. It's kind of that customer experience where, you know, that you get told, well, that's not our process or that's not our procedure. Or, we can't do that. Third is a eager adoption of external trends. And fourth is high velocity decision making. So we talked about a couple of those. I want to, to answer then the second part of your question, eager adoption of external trends. So where do I think Amazon's going? Well, I think a couple things. One is AWS, Amazon Web Services, their cloud computing platform continues um, to develop new services that any size business can use and utilize. And, and for me, machine learning is one of those key areas. It's that they're helping, and there are some other providers, no question, but Amazon is helping democratize machine learning. And um, I'm actually following that a lot and really interested in kind of what's coming next. And I think Amazon will be you know, part of that. And, and a, a quick example of that is Amazon has a service that you can install on a WordPress website that will automatically translate a text article into audio and different languages. But again, those are using machine learning tools and it costs literally a, a few dollars a month. It's very inexpensive. So, that allows any size business with a, a, an experimental mindset to start testing and seeing how that could improve their own business. So if, if I understand, okay, carry on, Steve, sorry. No, no, carry no. On. I was going to say a, a second area. Um, 
that they are they've been experimenting with and working on for a while is their project Kuiper, um, and that is their satellite constellations. Uh, a lot of people have heard of SpaceX and them sending up. Amazon's doing the same thing through their uh, Bezos Blue Origin uh, firm uh, venture, and it appears they have been able to invent a new type of antenna that will bring the cost of satellite internet high-speed access down significantly. And frankly, I, I think of India as, you know, how many people don't have reliable internet access. And if it was more affordable and available everywhere, what might that do for India, the economy, all those you know, builders that are in, in India, what could they do if they had access like many other parts of the country? So I think that's, that is coming. Um, it's a few years out, but that's, again, one of Amazon's um, secret powers, maybe I'll call it that, is the ability to think long-term. So not short-term quarterly gains, and that's a real problem here in the U.S. Uh, with the stock market and all of that, but think multi-year and be willing to work toward those goals over a long period of time. Okay, so he will be competing with uh, with uh, Elon Musk, if I can yes. say, maybe on the, on the satellite internet part. But uh, yep. if I understand it correctly, uh, Steve, is it then that Amazon is moving towards, say, as a B2C marketplace to more towards enterprise solutions and maybe providing technology to customers, like, as you said, in satellite internet, and it will be a from when it started from books to a marketplace with lots of things. Now it will be more towards enterprise solutions. Is it what you mean? Is it? Have I understood it correctly? Yes, I think so. Very much so. And and I would say uh, it, it, that kind of maybe the third area is just uh, healthcare. So they're making a lot of experiments and trying to figure out if they can improve healthcare. Yeah, so they've got their fingers in a lot of different places. Um, and, and, you know, I, I read articles where the authors are saying, you know, Amazon's trying to dominate this industry or that industry, or they're trying to disrupt it. I actually don't think that's how they think. I don't think they think about what industry can we disrupt, but they do think what industry has customers that experience friction and frustration all the time, and can we improve that experience? And if we can, then that might be a revenue, additional revenue source for us as a company. Right, right. There's so many things to understand about Amazon, Steve, and it will take hours to understand that. But as of now, the Bezos letters are quite useful for a lot of people I can understand. And just to understand it, which are the four languages, Indian languages have the, your book? Oh, I'm going to, you're going to, you're going to test me. Um, uh, I actually have a couple books here. Um, yeah, I don't. Tongo. Um, Tamil, uh, Tamil? Yeah, uh, starts with a G. Um, okay. 
Um, I, I can't, I can't. No, no problem. I, 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 I should have been better prepared. <laughs> oh, no problem. No, no, but no. But there's, there's, there's the English version and then three dialects or regional versions. So uh, uh, please, please. Yeah, you can share with me. I will put it, put it all in the YouTube description. Great. And people can exactly, you know. I, that I can do. It. I can look it up, but uh, I, I yes. won't waste time uh, live to do that. Yes, yes. For us, it is day two. It is okay. <laughs> okay. So now coming to the coming to the your company, Steve. You know about yes. about Catalyst. What you do? What you exactly offer? How can people connect you, and for what they can connect you? Because it's it's very interesting the path you have traversed from a from the insurance line to an author of a great repute means your book has become a Wall Street Journal USA Today an international uh, an international bestseller. Yeah, and, and, and so and, many people. No, I was just going to say, and and we've got over five hundred reviews on Amazon with an average of four four and a half stars. So, um, yeah, I, I I you know encourage you to take a look at it. And um, you can find more information about the book at the, the website is thebezosletters.com. Uh, and then Catalyst really is continuing my technology in the insurance industry, just a, a kind of a reformat. Some additional partners came in, uh, partnered with me to, to uh, continue to enhance what we provide to uh, insurance agents here in the United States. Right. And how, how can people connect with you? Is it your website? Is it through your LinkedIn profile? What, what's the best yeah, way? So certainly the website you can connect. Um, LinkedIn uh, is probably one of the better places. That That's my primary social platform that um, that I spend time on. You are a LinkedIn. You are a, a LinkedIn uh, one most influential thought leaders. Means how yeah. did that happen? I, I just checked it today. More than 3 lakhs, 300,000 Followers on LinkedIn is not a small deal. No, <laughs> no, it's not. And it, you know, again, it's um, I, I don't know why, um, but a, a, num- a few years ago, LinkedIn approached me and asked if I want to be part of this influencer program. And I said yes. And uh, so uh, they continue to promote me and for certain, you know, people in financial services and the insurance industry. But, yeah, that's been a great thing. I still don't know why. But it's it honestly is a great example of you never know who's reading, watching, or listening what you do, and uh, so so keep doing it if uh, if you're a part of that social platform, uh, get the word out of what you do. You never know who's listening. Right, you never know, but others know. That's why now you are an official member of Fast Company Executive Board. Tell us about that. What do you do there? You know, it's it's such a great achievement. I, I read about LinkedIn, about an author, about bringing out something, those hidden nuggets from Jeff Bezos out in the open for a lot of people to learn. Those are Yeah, the well, you know, the, the Fast Company was another interesting. I received an uh, invitation to uh, participate in their, you know, executive board program. And so I uh, decided to do it and uh, try it out for a while. And it's uh, it, it, it's been fun. And again, you know, again, the... The book certainly provides some, um, well, it's done pretty well. I mean, people seem to resonate with the principles. And so when that happens, the word continues to spread. Right. With so much of learning of books, writing of books, understanding life, 
understanding people, technology, innovation, invention. What in a nutshell, in just a few words or few lines you want to tell the entrepreneur of today who is setting his first step into entrepreneurship and in terms of risk. About you, coming from Steve Anderson. Um, actually, the phrase that come to, comes to mind is learn to be comfortable being uncomfortable. You know, when you're starting a new business, you know, it's almost you're always uncomfortable. You don't know what's next. You don't maybe don't even know what to do. I've certainly been there myself. And just take that next step forward and, and be willing to try things, to experiment. They're not all going to work, so you're going to fail. But learn from that and then take the next step. Be comfortable to be uncomfortable. <laughs> On this note, Steve, it's a wrap of this very special edition of the KJ Masterclass Live. Thank you so much for joining me. Oh, AJ, it's a real pleasure. Thanks for having me.